0: Joe Biden's inauguration is set to be one of the most militaristic areas in the world as we sit back and wonder why nobody's getting outraged over the fact that there's so much military sitting there, but uh, we'll talk a bit about that when it gets into that point. On other news, Kamala Harris is set to leave and resign her Senate seat today, ending the age-old question as we move along into the inauguration news and the transfer of power. Andrew Yang gets called out for going into a grocery store and calling it a bodega and Walmart has face masks on clearance I'm Jay Edgar and this is contemporary Good morning everyone and welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got a bunch of stuff to get to today. It looks like the microphone is peaking a little bit here again, which bothers me a little bit. We might have to go over to the potato for just a bit here. Um, If the levels are too much or we're getting too much crackle out of this, let me know and we'll take care of that. Um, I've got some backup plans as uh, well and all ready to go and everything else, but... The news stops for nobody, and we're already running behind here, so we are going to have to get into this and get going with this. But before we get into anything, head on over to FreedomScoop.com. FreedomScoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs carrying great shows such as The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The Freckles and Brit Show, and... The R-rated conservative. Head on over there. Pick up some of our swag. Help us support great creators. Come and check out our great creators, too. It looks like some people are shuffling around where their news is going to be featured. The Daily Ignoramus has moved to its backup channel, Ignoramus Media. Go and check them out. The R-rated conservative has moved on to his backup channel, as well. You can check out his website, rrcpodcast.com, to get details on that, or catch up with the backlog over on the BitChute channel, or just uh, catch him live over on DLive. So we've got great ways to catch up with all of our creators. Go over there, check them out, pick up some of our swag, and help us support great creators. All right, looking at the markets here, the Dow spent all of Friday down, down almost to the 30000 mark once again but settling itself at 30,814.26, down 177.26 points, or about a half a percent on Friday, with a few things going along with that and really carrying that along through. I know the stimulus plan that's coming up out of Biden is looking into this as people start looking at this and saying, hey, is this going to affect our interest rates? Is this going to affect how we do business? And is this going to affect where we land on certain things? So, and of course, the other allegation is it's just going to make the rich richer and the poor poorer, which is a distinct possibility as well. So we will see what happens with that. Let's have a look at the Bitcoin. Bitcoin is currently, as of this morning, worth $36,882.50 in US dollars. That is a slight slide from Friday, so we will see where the Bitcoin goes, but as again, if Bitcoin keeps going up, it means they are anticipating that they're just going to keep printing money and money and money, and your dollar is going to become more and more worthless. Let's see what the investors have to say, starting with Yahoo Finance. U.S. stocks falter amid concerns Biden's stimulus plan would lead to higher interest rates and corporate taxes. From James Hiersick. Wall Street's major stock indices finished lower on Friday. Gains were capped as investors assessed the impact of President-elect Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan, with some suggesting higher corporate taxes, would be necessary to pay for it. Also weighing on price... Are we not on DLive? Jeez. I don't know why Restream is having such a problem hooking up with DLive again. It's been happening on and off for the last week, so I hit the live button and... You know what? Let's have a quick look here. I'm going to drop my screen for just a second. And the survey says... Nope, it's still stuck in the sending data loop. So, no, we are not on DLive. All right, let's keep going with the news. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I know everyone likes to go over on DLive, but uh, yeah, we we have no DLive going. So we'll get to the bottom of that, and I will be writing a strongly worded letter over to Restream.io. Thanks for uh, uh, letting me know that, Ron. All right, anyway, going back to this. And by the way, uh, get on over there and tell your friends that, uh, yeah, we, we have no DLive this morning. That's lame, because that's where most of my audience comes from. Alright, anyway, back to where we were. Wall Street's major stock indices finished lower on Friday. Gains were capped as investors assessed the impact of President-elect Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan, with some suggesting higher corporate taxes, would be necessary to pay for it. Also weighing on prices was a drop in U.S. big bank shares after their reports kicked off earnings season and a sharp break in energy due to the announcement of a regulatory probe in the Exxon Mobil Corporation. In the cash market on Friday, the benchmark S&P 500 index settled at 376825, down 2729, or 0.81%. The blue-chip Dow Jones Industrial Average finished at 3081426, down 17726, or 0.65. And the tech-based Nasdaq Composite closed at uh, 1299850, or down 11414, or 1.02%. Biden's proposal, called the American Rescue Plan, includes increasing the additional federal unemployment payments to $400 per week and extending them through September direct payments to many Americans of $1,400 and extending the federal moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures through September. Biden's coronavirus relief stimulus package may prove a double-edged sword for investors, sustaining optimism for further economic revival while raising worries over how the United States would pay for it all. Finally, somebody's asking the question. Investors didn't chase the market higher on Friday after Biden announced the package the evening before because it had been widely anticipated by Wall Street and has helped lift the broad S&P 500 index nearly 3% in the week since Democratic challengers won both of the U- Georgia's U.S. Senate seats, giving Democrats full control of Congress. That was completely above board and nothing bad happened with it. Wink, wink, honk, honk. However, that rally has been mirrored by a slide in the treasuries due in part to expectations that the government will need to fund the spending with more debt issuance and nudging borrowing costs throughout the economy higher. So they're looking at this and they're they're anticipating it's going to make it a lot harder to borrow money and it's going to cost more to borrow money and that's going to lead to fewer startups and fewer people working and fewer people buying product. You see where all this goes here. On top of the fact that, as is mentioned in the chat, Money Printer is going burr on top of this. So we will see what happens from this. But uh, yeah, it is definitely going to be an interesting year. Let's see what IBD has to say. From Investors Business Daily, Dow Jones Futures stock market rally has a healthy pullback as Biden stimulus buds wanes. Tesla Model Y China deliveries begin. From Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures were a little changed Monday, along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ futures. U.S. stock markets will be closed Monday for the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. So we will have a very brief check into the stocks tomorrow, because nothing's going to happen today because of the holiday. The stock market rally fell last week as buzz from the Biden stimulus plan began to wane. But it was a constructive pullback. The major indices fell modestly, holding short-term moving averages and letting longer-term averages catch up. Some euphoric market areas, such as the new IPOs like Yatts and Holding, suffered significant losses or sharp reversals. Tesla began deliveries of its made-in-China Model Y crossover Monday. Last week, Tesla stock retreated, but after appearing to go on a climax run, the electric car maker is looking anticlimactic, which is a good thing. And yet, they're starting to make shit over in China. We're going to start to see more of that once we get Beijing Biden in there and we get a new TPP and more shit gets made over in China. By the way, if you guys want to hit the Discord quick and let everybody know that we have no live this morning and see if we can get some more people in there, that would be awesome of you guys. Let me actually see if anybody catches in there. No. Oh, I'm on caps. No. DLive this morning. Just in case somebody comes in the chat and checks it. U.S. tech giants aren't participating. Apple stock, the only one that appeared to be trying to do well, reversed for solid losses, most have been lagging the stock market rally for months and are stuck between, or below rather, their 50-day moving averages, including Microsoft, Facebook, and Netflix stock. Netflix reports earnings on Tuesday with Walt Disney and Disney Plus rapidly becoming a serious rival. Disney stock has been doing much better than Netflix for several months. Well, it's a brand new thing. I mean, we've all had Netflix for what—five years, seven years, ten years. When did they start doing Netflix anyway? I think I was still living in Kenosha at the time when they started doing Netflix, but that was still just the the mail out the DVD and then mail it back once it was done. The streaming service, even even the streaming service itself—that's that's a fairly long-term thing. I remember once again, I was living in Kenosha. My ex-girlfriend was using that to watch and catch up with How I Met Your Mother. So that's been around for a while, and we've seen just about everything on there, and they really haven't been pumping anything new in there. Meanwhile, Disney is. Disney Plus has only been, what, a year? A little over a year at this point? I mean, people are going back to watch The Mandalorian, but they're also checking out all their old favorites. So, yes, of course, Disney's going to do well. And, of course, Disney came up and jumped up and bought everything back up off of its newfound rivals as well. I remember you used to be able to watch the old Disney Channel shows over on Netflix. Vanessa Ferb used to be on Netflix. I loved that cartoon. But as soon as Disney Plus dropped, that's gone. MCU, gone. So, we've got a little th- uh, bit going along with that. Just look at a little bit more here. Cyclical stocks are still looking strong. Eastman Chemical stock faded to just below a buy point. Eastman Chemical has earnings in two weeks as earnings season hits full force. JP Morgan stock rose last week and flirted with a buy point from a long, deep base. JP Morgan Chase earnings easily beat News Friday, but JPM stock retreated. Ah, uh, let me. Matches in the stock market news. Jeez. Um, On the stimulus buzz, I just wanted to touch on this because I don't have any um, dedicated news stories to this. President-elect Joe Biden unveiled a $1.9 trillion stimulus plan Thursday night, but that didn't buoy the stock market rally on Friday. Biden's stimulus buzz has fueled cyclicals and the broader market in the new year. Democrats winning the Georgia Senate runoffs to have unified control of government makes it less uh, likely that much of the Biden stimulus plan will pass. Still, with uh, razor-thin majorities in the House and Senate, a Biden stimulus plan may face significant changes. Meanwhile, Biden also says he'll propose another big spending bill later in the year, but that will come with significant tax hikes on corporations and capital gains, which is going to make it harder for them to hire people, which is going to drag the markets lower and the economy with it. So we'll see which directions all of these go as we move along. And with that, let's move into the news, starting with the fortified virtual inauguration that's coming up on Wednesday, folks. From the Army Times. After a deadly Capitol riot, Army looking at which troops require security screening ahead of Biden inauguration. From Kyle Rempfer. The Army is working to determine which National Guard troops assisting the January 20th presidential inauguration require additional security checks and is also offering more training on threat detection for those guardsmen arriving to Washington, D.C. in the coming days, according to the service. The measures come in the wake of a deadly January 6th Capitol riot and after Representative Jason Crowe spoke with Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy this weekend and expressed grave concerns about reports that active-duty and reserve military members were involved in the insurrection at the Capitol. Crowe, an Iraq and Afghanistan veteran, said he asked McCarthy for Army Criminal Investigation Command to review backgrounds of any troops involved in inauguration security to ensure that deployed members are not sympathetic to domestic terrorists. Well, that's an interesting way to look at this here, because, uh, As we listened to from the Joint Chiefs of uh, Staff last week, the Joint Chiefs of Staff are looking back and reminding people that they swore an oath to uphold the Constitution, not any politician. So this may get interesting here as we start to look at, and I'm sure that this is why the chill gamer Joe put this in to the Discord server. Remember, you can shape this program by heading on over to the Discord server that is linked in the description in every major platform and you can put articles in and I will bet them and decide what is real and what I cannot independently verify. But this is interesting that now we're looking to see who's going to be sympathetic to the rioters or who may turn their back on firing upon them. This is, this is getting to be some scary stuff, but this goes along with a lot of the other things that I've been saying for a while. I mean, all this stuff that we're seeing on some of the local capitals, it looks like a trap. It looks like an absolute trap. Yes, there's going to be a riot in all 50 states. Hey, make sure you get there. And as Styx has like to point out, make sure that the person who's handing you the Molotov is going to still be standing next to you when you throw it. Because it seems a lot more like they're trying to get you out there for something. Hope maybe to get arrested, maybe to get a felony charge against you. Where you're not going to be able to vote anymore. Or maybe to get you killed. I have problems with Beijing Biden's uh, upcoming presidency. But I'm not going to take the fight to the U.S. government to do it. That That would be suicide. We call those people cannon fodder. But I will be hunkering down and fortifying my own base of operations. Just in case they want to bring the fight to me. So, we will see what happens. I'm sure there will be some fireworks coming up on Wednesday. We'll be talking a lot more about that this afternoon. So, make sure you come back and join us there for that. But yeah, we've got the riot shields up here. Everybody in jackboots. That's, uh, yes, I know that they're shin guards and everything. So, it's armored. But, man, the imagery of this is just, it's scary. The imagery that they're putting behind this. And I'm not the only person out there that thinks so. All right, let's keep going. From The Hill. Newly sworn in, GOP Senator suggests delaying the inauguration. From Morgan Gestalter. Newly sworn in, Senator Tommy Tuberville. On Wednesday, suggested delaying President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration until after the coronavirus pandemic was handled, even though the date is written into the Constitution. During an interview with CBS affiliate WIAT after visiting a hospital, Tuberville questioned the timing of the inaugural ceremonies. We probably could have had a swearing-in and done an inauguration a little later, after we got this virus behind us a little bit. Again, we're talking about Washington, D.C., Tuberville said. The date of January 20th is not chosen by the president-elect team, it's mandated in the 20th Amendment of the Constitution, which states that the terms of the president and vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January. In a statement to The Hill, a Tuberville spokeswoman said it is incorrect to interpret it. The senator's remark as calling for the postponement of Biden's actual swearing in ceremony. The senator spent the last two days visiting with Alabama medical care providers to receive updates on the ongoing pandemic. The spokeswoman said, understanding the widely recognized health and safety concerns regarding large gatherings, the Senator was suggesting to the public gathering for inaugural ceremonies could be reconsidered, as the Senator had previously paid, or said rather, President elect Biden will take over next week. Planners of Biden's inauguration have already significantly adjusted the events in order to incorporate safety precautions due to COVID nineteen. Americans are encouraged to watch the ceremony from home, and the number of tickets given to members of Congress has been significantly limited. And also, they can come back and say, oh, well, look, there, nobody showed up for Biden's inauguration because they were all at home, because the coronavirus pandemic, we don't have to worry about crowd size now. Hey, look, look at all these people that watched on livestream over this. As everybody goes home and turns on their TV, their cell phone, their sister's cell phone, their tablet, their sister's tablet, and every household suddenly has 20 viewers as they bought this out to come out and try to deal the final blow to the egotistical President Trump that, ew, Biden, he was so unpopular, he still had a bigger inauguration than you. So, no, we're not going to be changing this, that is in the Constitution. In spite of everything, the government will go on. Which is a sad thing in and of itself. We could just shut this down for a little while, wouldn't you think? But no, the government will go on. Let's keep going. From the New York Post. Ashley Babbitt, Air Force uh, vet killed at the Capitol, was in a thruple. From Tamar uh, Tamar Lapine. As yet... They still have to do whatever they can to try and smear the name of this woman because she was a Trump supporter, and she got killed by the police, so now they have to figure out how they can drag her through the mud to justify the killing. After they spent the whole summer telling everybody that the police killing people is a bad thing and they only go hunting black people, they never touch a white person. The Air Force veteran, fatally shot by police during last week's Capitol riot, had been in a throuple. With her husband and their live-in girlfriend according to reports nobody cares i'm gonna tell you that right now none of this matters the police could have resolved this peacefully they could have stopped this instead they chose to come back and start shooting and only sean king in all of his sean kingy goodness was intellectually consistent Imagine praising Sean King, knowing full well he's been an asshole throughout the rest of the summer. But, hey, balls and strikes. Let's keep going. From Yahoo News, Trump's approval rating plunges to all-time low of 29% in a new poll. It doesn't say in a new poll, but it does say new poll. From Brendan Morrow. President Trump's approval rating has fallen to the lowest level of his presidency with a significant drop among Republicans. In the latest Pew Research Center poll released Friday, Trump received a job approval rating of 29%, which is his lowest ever number in this poll and a decline of 9 percentage points from August. And yet, nobody's pointed out the fact and I the first thing that I did was I ran over to RCP as soon as I found this out and I took a screen cap which I didn't put up here but I took a screen cap and I put it up over on uh, Twitter showing that yes this is one cherry pick poll and I've been telling you guys about this since I started doing contemporary since I started doing solo videos since I started doing Ed's World and the Red Net show you can't take one cherry pick poll that does that fits your narrative now yes this poll did hurt president trump in his approval rating But he is still, as of right now, coasting at the very bottom edge of the 40% mark. I think it was 389 when I looked this morning. I was going to put the actual poll up there today, but, you know, RCP, it's such a massive fucking resource hog that my uh, processor was just pinned the whole time I had it up on uh, the screen, so I said, the hell with it, we're not going to put it up there. But according to RCP today, with everything in there, yes, it's not good. But President Trump is at a 38.9 currently for his approval rating. Aggregated, of course. Some of them have him higher, some of them have them lower. But aggregated, he's at 38.9. With the news media slinging everything they could possibly do at him. So, let's keep going from that. From the Hill, GOP Senator Lankford apologizes to black constituents for opposing election results. Again, from Morgan Gestalter. Morgan Gestalter got busy this week, apparently. Senator James Lankford on Thursday wrote a letter apologizing to black constituents for opposing the Electoral College results, saying he didn't realize the attempt would cast doubt on the validity of votes coming out of predominantly black communities. (sighs) (sighs) In a letter addressed to my friends in North Tulsa, obtained by Tulsa World, Lankford acknowledges that his actions caused a firestorm of suspicion among many of my friends, particularly in black communities, around the state. I was completely blindsided, but I also found a blind spot. Lankford last month signed onto a letter from Senator Ted Cruz saying he would vote against the Electoral College results unless a commission was formed to provide a 10-day audit of President Trump's debunked claims of voter fraud. He later backed down from attempts to continue the challenge after a mob of Trump supporters attacked the Capitol. So, once again, he stuck his finger in the air, licked it, figured out which way the wind was blowing, and decided that was the direction that he wanted to go. And now, of course, he gets to pander and kiss the ass of black constituents, too. And I say again, No, Chalaga, there's no D-Live today. Unfortunately, it didn't connect. I went over and looked at uh, stream, and it still says sending data. Oh, and once again, to Senator uh, Langford who says, well, this might hurt how, I, how, how black uh, constituents see me. I'll say it one more time. <laughs> Gag. Let's keep going. From Fox News, FBI arrest Florida hardcore leftist who plotted armed attack on pro-Trump protesters at the state capitol. From Danielle Wallace, a self-described hardcore leftist was arrested Friday for allegedly issuing a call to arms online to recruit like-minded and confronting pro-Trump supporters expected to gather at the Florida state capitol in Tallahassee Sunday just days before the presidential inauguration. Oh, I bet you I get kicked off. Because... Everything just locked up. We'll give that just a minute to see. Are we back on? We're back on. Daniel Allen Baker, an alleged Antifa supporter who participated in several anti-police protests last year around the country, including in Seattle's Chop Chaz Zone, was arrested without incident by FBI agents early Friday with assistance from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and the Tallahassee Police Department. Baker, who prosecutors say was kicked out of the army and was homeless for several years in the Tallahassee area before choosing to fight alongside a U.S.-designated terrorist group in Syria, is now charged with violating a federal law that makes it a felony to transmit in interstate or foreign commerce any communication containing any threat to kidnap any person or any threat to injure the person of another. He appeared before the magistrate judge Charles A. Stampelos on Friday and is scheduled to remain at a federal detention center in Tallahassee until his next court appearance, Scheduled on January twenty-first, the Tallahassee Democrat reported. So he's go- he was going to be, and I keep telling you, these excuse me, these state capital things. That's a trap. It's going to be a trap. Hold on, let's check something here. Oh, we're on D D-Live kicked in, finally. Maybe it was just that little bubble where I uh, got kicked off for half a second. We're on D-Live again. All right, sorry about that. So, yeah, all these things are going to be traps. We're going to have these provocateurs here who are going to come out and try to convince you that it's time to go out and take matters into your own hands. People like. Daniel Baker, who are going to come out and try to convince you to either take the Capitol or to try and confront uh, confront you in the street. This is all a trap, people. Make sure you know what you're doing. If you do have to go on your state Capitol to let them know how you feel about what's happening in Washington, D.C., just make sure you know what you're getting yourself into because I ain't coming and bailing anybody else out of jail. I know somebody out there thought that I was going to bail him out of jail last night, i had like, 12 calls from the Kenosha County Jail, which I've actually still got a Kenosha phone number as my cell phone. But I got 12 calls from a Kenosha County Jail from a guy that I've never heard of before. I've never heard the name before. And he just kept calling. And the collect call would come in, it would say his name, and I'd decline the call. Because from where I am, far west of Kenosha, I can't help the dude. But I did put a Facebook APB out there to see if any of my Kenosha friends knew him and see if they could come and retrieve him. But I'm not going into retrieving you, especially. I'm especially not going into Madison to come and bail your ass out, or Springfield for that matter. So just know what you're getting into, guys. Let's keep going. From WJLA, ABC7. Virginia man stopped with unregistered gun, 500 plus rounds of ammunition in D.C., police say. From Samantha Mitchell. A Virginia man was arrested Friday night after being stopped at a D.C. checkpoint and being found with an unregistered gun along with more than 500 rounds of ammunition, according to U.S. Capitol Police. The man, who has since been identified as Wesley Allen Beeler from Front Royal in Virginia, also presented unauthorized inaugural credentials while trying to pass through the police checkpoint on Friday evening, arresting documents show. The arresting documents show Beeler was arrested after being stopped in a white Ford F-150 in the 1st District after 6.30 p.m. by two responding U.S. Capitol officers at a presidential inauguration perimeter set up at the North Capitol Street Northwest at East Street Northwest. Capitol Police asked him to pull over when he presented them with the unauthorized inaugural credentials to further investigate the document shown, which is when an officer says several firearms-related decals were seen on the rear windshield, including assault life, and if they come for your guns, give them your bullets first. Yeah, this wasn't a fucking setup or anything, was it? I would almost call this a drill. Somebody set up to be a patsy to get sent through to see if he could get through there. A security check, as if you will. I don't think this dude was doing it. Of course, I'm turning into Alex Jones once again off of all of this because I look at shit like this. The fact that he could get up to the checkpoint with those stickers on his window. And people actually take the time to try and check his credentials. I'm calling bullshit on this one, but I left this article in because I wanted to tell you guys about this. This is how they presented this in the tweet. WJLA, putting things out here. I love this. I love this so much. It's so stupid, and yet it's so good. WJ... When they're announcing this particular news article, police added that inside the vehicle was a handgun designed to be fired with a single hand and capable of expelling a projectile by means of an explosion. You mean... Just like every other firearm in the history of fucking firearms. Oh my god. Inside the vehicle was a handgun desired to be fired with a single hand. As are most handguns. And capable of expelling a projectile by the means of an explosion. Alright, let's keep going. From Yahoo News, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham warns that pardoning Capitol rioters would destroy Trump. From Mairead McArdle, Senator Lindsey Graham on Sunday advised the president not to grant presidential pardons to the rioters who stormed the Capitol this month, warning that doing so would destroy Trump. Like I care, I'm Lindsey Graham. I got the trump supporters' votes, and I'm going to be safe in the Senate. So now I don't give a fuck what happens to the Trump supporters. Thank you for your votes, guys. I'm Lindsey Graham. Mr. President, your policies will stand the test of time. You're the most important figure in the Republican Party. Uh, You can shape the direction of the party. Keep your moment alive, Graham said on Fox News. Which way is the wind blowing? There are a lot of people urging the president, pardon folks, who participated in defiling the Capitol, the rioters, Graham continued. I don't care if you went there and spread flowers on the floor. You breached the security of the Capitol. You interrupted the joint session of Congress. You tried to intimidate us all. You should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And seek a pardon of these people would be wrong. And I think it would destroy President Trump. And I hope we don't go down that road. But... Hey, thank you for your votes back in November. Okay, folk? Okay. On Wednesday, a large group of Trump supporters... Yeah, we know what happened with that. But yes, thank you, Lindsey Graham, for sticking your finger into the air once again and figuring out which direction the political wind was blowing. Let's keep going. From NPR. NPR needs your money, folks. Make sure you get them a donation because your taxpayer dollars aren't doing enough for them. But let's see what they have to say here. Harris will leave the Senate seat on Monday. Set to return as tie-breaking vice president. This is from Scott DeTro. Make sure you give your money. They need your donations, people. See the donation button right at the top? Donate. Donate NPR so they can continue to buy great microphones to amplify their voices, which are already set out and soft like this. All right, let's keep going off this. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will step down from her California Senate seat Monday before taking up a more high profile position in the chamber. Two days later, transition officials have announced when Harris makes history as the first woman, the first black person, Okay. And the first Indian American to serve as vice president shall also become the president of the Senate. It's a largely ceremonial position most of the time. But in a Senate that will be split 50-50, the tie-breaking vote she, will ca- or she can cast rather will give Democrats control of the chamber. Given the hyper-partisanship in Congress, she may need to cast many tie-breaking votes. California Governor Gavin Newsom has tapped California Secretary of State Alex Padilla to fill the vacancy created by Harris's resignation. Padilla will be the state's first Latino senator and the first male senator in three decades. Harris's departure will mean there will be no black woman in the Senate, and because of that, Newsom drew some criticism for appointing Padilla. And that puts to bed the conspiracy theory that we've been hearing forever. Yes, Kamala Harris is resigning her Senate seat today. Put the tinfoil away. I'll put it on later when we see something else that goes along with this. And yes, of course, NPR is going to do nothing but right on Kamala Harris's ass. All right. I've got one from Eater, New York, which I've never used before, but uh, I thought you guys would enjoy this one here. New York City mayoral candidate Andrew Yang roasted on Twitter over bodega video. From Erica Adams. Andrew Yang, former presidential candidate and current New York City mayoral candidate as of yesterday, is already attracting controversy to his campaign. We're going to give you universal basic income. Just come move to New York, okay? Here's your whipped cream. On Friday morning, the mayoral hopeful tweeted a video of himself buying two green teas and a bunch of bananas at a business in New York City. Yang posted the video in an effort to show his support for bodegas. Let's support them and keep them open," he wrote. But the immediate, uh, he immediately came under fire for a location of the shoot. Too many viewers. The large format establishment with wide open aisles did not, in fact, appear to be a bodega. Let's listen. Oops, gonna lose my headphone. Uh, Uh, Breakfast the champions, some green cheese, a banana. How are you doing, bro? A banana, pretty healthy. I'll buy the whole whistle. New York City relies upon its fourteen thousand bodegas so much. I love bodegas, and we got to make sure that they continue to stay open and do their thing. Keep the You're Very welcome. New York City supports your local bodegas. Can you imagine a, a New York City without bodegas? I can't imagine it. Let's not have to. All right. See you soon. So he went to a grocery store and called it a bodega. The criticism was swift and direct. Twitter users compared the store to a Whole Foods Jr. rather than a bodega. Some tweeted pictures of a cramped corner bodegas at Yang. Others questioned his agility, ability rather to govern the city if this was his definition of a bodega. There were comparisons to a popular scene from The Office where, during a visit to New York City, Michael Scott grabs himself a slice of pizza from his favorite joint in the city, the former Sabarro in Times Square. It was brutal. Well, I don't go to New York City. I know Quest Fanning is probably going to pop over there and uh, hassle me for this here, but uh, the flag that used to stand behind me forbids me from going into New York City as a As a Boston Red Sox fan, unless the Red Sox are winning against the Yankees, but as pissed off as I am at MLB right now, I won't be doing that any time in the near future either. Andrew Yang walked into the closest Dwayne Reed and called it a bodega. Andrew Yang walking out of a Dos Toros with a classic New York City burrito. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what the difference is. I know people would call a quick trip a bodega, which is a local franchise here. Unfortunately, if it's going to be cramped quarters, if that's what it if that's what's required to be a bodega, then a quick trip for the most part wouldn't fall into it. There are some that are pretty tiny though, so I don't know. I'm not trying to be the governor of New York either. So I have no idea. Let's keep going. Speaking of New York, from the New York Post. Pelosi puts Swalwell back on Homeland Security panel. From Ebony Bowden. Democratic Representative Eric Swalwell is joining the House Committee on Homeland Security one month after it was revealed. He was targeted by a suspected Chinese spy. The California lawmaker, who was revealed to have been duped by a Chinese honey trap spy, who cozied up to him. And other polls, in a bid to infiltrate the U.S. political system, announced his appointment back onto the sensitive post in a tweet on Friday afternoon. So, he simped for a Chinese spy. Nobody knows whether he fucked her or not. And he is not going to face any consequences. Good job, House Democrats. Let's keep going. From NBC. Incoming Biden administration to migrant caravan. Don't come. You won't get in immediately. Implying that they will eventually get in. From Julia Ainsley. As thousands of Honduran immigrants make their way to the U.S. borders, the incoming Biden administration just days from taking office has a message. Don't come now. President-elect Joe Biden has promised an end to the strict immigration policies of the Trump administration, which focused on building a border wall and restricting eligibility for asylum. But these promises may be put to the test in the new government's first days. It would be immigrants from uh, Central America perceived that now is the time to travel to the U.S. The southern border could quickly be overwhelmed before systems are put in place to handle the influx. There don't need to be systems, okay? Just let him walk across. Hey, Hunter, I got some new friends for you to play with. A senior Biden uh, transition team official said the perception that the Biden administration will be able to allow all arriving asylum seekers to enter the U.S. to make their claim on day one is false. The situation on the border isn't going to be transformed overnight, the transition official told NBC News in an exclusive interview. But the official declined to say when asylum seekers might be able to come to the U.S. and whether they will be detained as they wait a court hearing. I know the answer to that. I know the answer. They will be detained. They will be put in, uh, in those fun camps that they have down on the border. But the news media isn't going to report on it. That's the difference. An estimated 9,000 Honduran migrants are fleeing food-scarce regions, devastated by two hurricanes, drought, and economic hardship. On Friday night, about 2,000 members of the caravan pushed past Guatemalan authorities and entered Guatemala without showing documentation or negative COVID screenings. The AP reported the caravan may arrive at the U.S. border in the coming weeks. We've got yet another caravan. And I love the people that come out and say, and I've seen and I've actually corrected a few people on this over on Instagram and a little bit over on Twitter too, over the fact that, well, Biden's going to destroy this country and on day one he's going to make 11 million illegals citizens. He's just going to wave his wand and they're all going to be citizens. No, he's fucking not. Are you kidding? No, he is fucking not. Democrats love having an underclass. It's the same thing with the student loan thing. Oh, well, they're going to eliminate student loans. Really? Because that that gives upward mobility to an underclass. Democrats thrive on having an underclass. So they can continue to make promises like they're going to eliminate student loans. And then blame Republicans when they don't do it. It's the same thing. The big business donors that are donating to the Biden campaign are not going to let him legalize 11 million immigrants who are suddenly going to be eligible for the minimum wage for the first time since they've been in the U.S. That's not going to happen. They need their slave labor. They need their people that they can abuse and pay substandard wages and send them without health care. So they can keep their costs down while still maintaining made in America status. They're not going to. Biden is not going to legalize 11 million illegal immigrants. Because he's going to put all his big business buddies out of business. That's just not going to happen. But here they come. Here they come. Uh Uh-oh. Looks like I've got another one here from NPR. Did you donate the first time? Because you have another opportunity. Donate to NPR. They need your money. Because they need to keep going. U.S. Space Command Headquarters, Mayland in Alabama. This is from Dustin Jones. And this was updated recently. On Thursday. So this is a bit of an older article, but it still bears talking about. And make sure you get that calm, calm money to Calm, Calm NPR, so they can buy cool, cool microphones to get that quiet, soft voice transmitted around the country and in your local state with your local state's public radio system. All right, the U.S. Space Command selected Huntsville, Alabama as the preferred location For its headquarters Wednesday, Space Command is provisionally based in Colorado, but it has conducted virtual and on-site visits to six locations. Redstone Arsenal, an Army installation in Huntsville, got the nod. Space Command evaluated potential sites based on factors related to mission, infrastructure, community support, and cost. A news release announced. Redstone Arsenal was favored because it provides a large, qualified workforce, quality schools, and superior infrastructure cap- uh, capacity. Additionally, the Army installed uh, installation rather offered a facility free of charge until a permanent structure is built. You know, I'm a little surprised that they didn't go to Cape Canaveral, because that seems to be their big launch point anyway. I'm actually a little bit surprised that they didn't do that. The Department of the Air Force anticipates making a final decision for the location of U.S. Space Command headquarters in spring of 2023, pending the results from the required environmental impact analysis. The release said, the command has also looked at Albuquerque, New Mexico, Bellevue, Nebraska, Cape Canaveral, Bingo, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and San Antonio, Texas. I thought all the space stuff was in Houston. Houston, we have a problem. And a correction, an earlier version of the story said Space Command is a department of the Air Force. It is a combatant command of the Department of Defense that conducts operations in, from, and to outer space. Which, once again, I'm not anticipating aliens coming down at any point in the near future. But space would be the best place to launch a first defense against an intercontinental ballistic missile. That's the way I would do it if it was me. All right, let's keep going. From NBC. This is not justice. Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor offers fierce dissent in death penalty case. From Raul A. Reyes. A Supreme Court ruling allowing the government to put a federal prisoner to death, reversing an order by a lower court that had put the execution on hold, came down on Friday night. Within hours of the 6-3 opinion, Dustin Higgs, 48, was given a lethal injection and pronounced dead. The majority position, which gave the go-ahead for use of the death penalty, did not sit well with Justice Sonia Sotomayor. In a fierce dissent, she noted that after 17 years without a single federal execution, the government had executed 12 people since July. She then listed each one of them by name. Today, Dustin Higgs will become the 13th When Sotomayor called an unprecedented rush of federal executions meant that the federal government will have executed more than three times as many people in the last six months than it had in the previous six decades. Sotomayor was blunt in her assessment of the majority opinion, this is not justice. In 2001, a federal court in Maryland sentenced Higgs to death for his role in the kidnapping and killing of three women. Because Maryland outlawed the death penalty in 2013, the government sought to have him put to death in Indiana where he was incarcerated. After a district court denied the government's request, the government took its case to the Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. The Court of Appeals scheduled oral arguments for January 27th of 2021. Not wanting to wait that long, the government asked the Supreme Court to reverse the lower court order without any normal briefings or arguments. The high court's majority opinion allowed them to do so. And that is... I mean, the death penalty is something that we've been arguing about forever, but, I mean... Here is reality. If the guy's going to sit on death row forever, then change his sentence to life imprisonment. Then at least the guy knows what's coming the next day. This whole thing of setting people on death row forever, wondering if this is going to be the day that their number comes up. That's cruel and unusual in and of itself. Set these people, either take care of it, either kill them, or send them into gen pop and change their sentence at this point. Because having them sit there and wonder is cruel and unusual. But, in fierce opposition to my co-host, I am in favor of the death penalty, given the fact that, especially from the libertarian standpoint, as most libertarians will come out and say, well, if you come in to break into my house, and you're going to rape my wife and take my stuff, I'm just going to shoot you. Well, they're going to wind up in the same place except with the death penalty, they get a uh, trial by jury. But that's the way that we go with that. All right, let's keep going. From the Daily Wire. They're not even following their own rules. Packers Aaron Rodgers slams Pelosi and Newsom. Uh, I'm going to have to go watch the Packers now. I have not watched a single NFL game this year because of the wokeness and the BLM stuff and everything else like that. If I want a political lesson, I'll go watch CNN. If I want somebody to dispute spew left-wing talking points at me, I'll go watch MSNBC. When I go, on, go watch the Packers, and gosh, I love the Packers, but when I want to sit down and watch the Packers, I want politics to be as far away from that football game as we can possibly get. But if Aaron Rodgers is going to be based, you know what? No, I'm still not going to do it. This season is done for me. We will reassess come September next year. From Hank Berrien. Green Bay Packers all-pro quarterback Aaron Rodgers expressed his disgust with Democratic politicians like House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and California Governor Gavin Newsom for their hypocrisy in supporting draconian shutdowns of the economy while they were not even following their own rules, he added. I mean, how many people have gotten caught? Rodgers, a California native who formerly starred at the University of California, Berkeley, spoke on the Pat McAfee show about his $500,000 donation to the Dave Portnoy's uh, Barstool Fund. Good for him. Oh, I'm in a really weird spot right now because I really want to give Aaron Rodgers the view and sell the commercials that his arm sells. I, I want to consume the commercials because he's being like this. But once again, I've got to stay with this and keep your politics away from my football. which has been sending relief to many small businesses uh, desperate to keep their businesses afloat. After McAfee, a former uh, All-Pro punter for the Indianapolis Colts, congratulated Rogers on his half-million-dollar donation, Rogers stated of Portnoy, I've been following El Presidente on social media for a while. I've enjoyed his takes on many different things. And when he got kind of challenged, I was wondering how he would respond. Initially, it was, here's a half-million dollars, you take it. You figure how to go with the money that changed pretty quickly into him and his folks there figuring out how to get the money out it's just an amazing deal what they're doing to not be able to be able to not only change people's lives and their livelihoods but to do it in such a timely fashion i mean the money's going out every 24 to 72 hours i didn't i think there was such a need rogers continued if you look around our environment today it's not like the government's really helping anyone out in a timely fashion i mean they took forever to figure out how to give $600 checks away And then, you know, you may or may not get $2,000 at this point. That's not life-changing money. What Dave and his folks are doing with the Barstool Fund is life-changing money. I mean, good on Rodgers. He he is a good guy. My issue with NFL has never been with the Packers. It's never been with Aaron Rodgers. But it's the same thing with the MLB. Yes, I got kind of heated when they put the Black Lives Matter sign up outside of Fenway Park. And it was the Boston Red Sox that did that. But... Given their political posturing position, that one I could go. It was when MLB, when uh, Tampa Bay put the cardboard cutouts of that Joaquin dude from the Parkland shootings up instead of letting him rest in his grave. That was where the MLB went too far for me. And my issue was never with the Boston Red Sox. It was with the. It was with Major League Baseball at large. And it's the same thing with the NFL. I have no issue with Aaron Rodgers of the Packers. I don't want to give any view or support to the National Football League right now because of the way they handled the BLM riots and the fact that they have to go and politically posture every single game. And what little bit I have seen because, you know, I've been in sports bars. I've been at my ex-girlfriend's house where they still like watching the football games on a Sunday. I've seen bits and pieces of football, and it's really boring without a crowd, too. I hate to tell you this. But without having that crowd noise in the background, it really just kind of sucks. So, good on Aaron, though, for that half-million-dollar donation. Let's keep going. That was almost the thing that restored my faith in humanity. In fact, I actually probably should have put that at the end, but I've got something better for this. All right, from W-H-Y-Y. PBS NPR Oh is this is this an NPR do I have to do I have to read this like this Philly police face masks are the number one obstacle for homicide investigators remember the public broadcasting system and NPR need your support and they need your donation this is from Aaron Mosell As gun violence continues to surge, Philadelphia police say the overwhelming majority of shooters have been wearing face masks since the start of the pandemic, making it more challenging for homicide investigators to identify and arrest suspects. You don't say! It's almost as if criminals have been wearing masks forever to conceal their identity, and now they have an excuse to do it. That's our number one obstacle, said Captain Jason Smith, who leads the unit. The department doesn't keep statistics on the number of perpetrators wearing face masks, But Smith said they are undoubtedly more prevalent among shooters than before COVID-19. Stitch masks into daily life. Gee, it's almost as if we weren't supposed to recognize the people who are wearing the masks. Interesting! Yeah, skater mom, imagine that. It's no coincidence... He said that the department's homicide clearance rate dropped significantly last year, the deadliest in three decades. So there's more homicides, and they're solving fewer of them. Doesn't that make you feel fucking special inside? Last year, the city had 499 murders. The clearance rate was just over 42%. In 2019, it ended with 356 murders, and the clearance rate was 52%. So fewer getting solved, and more of them happening. To get around this new handicap, Smith said investigators are now reviewing surveillance video from the day and time of the incidents, as well as the hours and days before and after. The hope is the additional footage will show suspects without masks, or at the very least provide more identifying information, for example, face or hand tattoos. You know, like the shit you should have been doing before the face mask thing. But hey, you do you. All right, let's keep going. I got one here from The Sun out of the UK that came with a very interesting discussion over in the uh, over in the Discord server. By the way, if you guys are not in the Discord server, the link is in the description down there. Come and hang out with us, and you can put articles in. Like the Chill Gamer Joe, who didn't put this article in, but put in the article that led me to this one. From The Sun... Germany to hold COVID rule breakers in refugee camps under a new crackdown to stop Brit mutant virus explosion. So the rule breakers in Germany are going into camps. I think I've seen this episode before. Anybody, can can anybody identify what's going on? I feel like I've seen this happen before somewhere in history. Um, Anybody? Anybody out there? Uh, this is from Christy Cooney. Germany's worst COVID rule breakers will be held in detention centers under the new proposals being drawn up by a number of state governments. The move forms part of the country's effort to stop the spread of the more contagious mutant strain of the virus detected in the UK last month. Where have I seen this before? In the eastern state of Saxony, people who ignore lockdown measures will be held in a cordon-owned off part of a refugee camp being built next week. In a cordon-owned. Wow, this just. This seems so familiar to me for whatever reason. State authorities have said the center will be used for those who repeatedly breach self-isolation requirements. A similar uh, scheme will be used in the neighboring Brandenburg, while in a northerly. Schleswig-Holstein Rule Breakers will be held in a part of Juvenile Detention Center. Wow. Oh, man. It's like they don't even see what's going on here. All right. Let's keep going. we got to talk about this one tonight. We'll be talking about this one tonight in the Red Net Show. This is going straight into the uh, into the itinerary for our show this is going in the lightning round because man oh man, I would love to see it el- because Elaine I mean she's wa- she's getting ready to do a solo video series of her own on history so as a student of history I can't believe I, I can't even imagine what her reaction is gonna be to this one. All right, just a couple more here. Then we'll do something that restores my faith in humanity and head on out of here. From the New York Post. Iranian missiles land just 100 miles from Navy ships. Report from Eileen A.J. Connolly. Long-range missiles belonging to Iran splashed down Saturday just 100 miles from the Nimitz Aircraft Strike Carrier Group. Fox News reported. At least two Iranian ballistic missiles exploded on impact when they hit the ocean about 100 miles from the nuclear aircraft carrier and other Navy vessels sending debris in all directions, according to U.S. officials, who Fox News didn't identify. The DoD did not immediately return the post request for comment. At least one missile landed 20 miles from a commercial vessel, according to Fox News, but the officials would not provide any details about the ship, citing privacy issues. The Nimitz is in the region, after President Trump overruled Pentagon officials, who were going to send the carrier home to Washington State early this month. Fox reported that U.S. spy satellites tracked the missile launched from Iran. Later, the Revolutionary Guards released the photo of a missile taking off from an undisclosed site in central Iran. We were expecting the missile launch, one official told the outlet. The missile launch took place on the second day of military exercises by Iran's Revolutionary Guards and the day after a series of ballistic missile tests. You remember those four years that we didn't go into a new war? That shit's over. And two more days before Inauguration Day on top of that too. Hey, maybe they can pull us into a war yet under Trump. Maybe he can still get his name in the record books of, I started a war. and the greatest president. I started the war. But they're shaking their fist. Iran is shaking their fist. Come on, you old codger. Come and fight me. And the defense contractors and all of the war hawks, like Dan Crenshaw and Mitch McConnell and Kamala Harris, in the U.S. government, are starting to fucking drool over the fact that they're going to start getting payoffs. Once again for Raytheon, for going into a new conflict. Alright, last one, then we'll do something that restores my faith in humanity, and head on out of here. From the AP, extremists exploit a loophole in social moderation. Podcasts! Congratulations, you have exploited a loophole. All of you who are watching this right now and who watch this in the future. From Tali Arbel. Major social platforms have been cracking down on the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories in the lead-up to the presidential election and expanded their efforts in the wake of the January 6th Capitol riot, but Apple and Google, among others, have left a major loophole for this material. Podcasts. Jazz hands. Podcasts made available by the two big tech companies, Let you tune into the world of the QAnon conspiracy theory, wallow in President Trump's false claims of a stolen election, and bask in other extremism. Accounts that have been banned on social media for election misinformation, threatening or bullying, and breaking other rules, also still live on as podcasts available on the tech giant's platforms. Well, I mean, we can go to Stitcher. We can go to Spotify. It doesn't have to be Apple and Google. I do use Apple for my podcasts because I can store them in my iPod and they don't clutter up the memory in my cell phone. But we don't have to use those two companies. There are many others. There are podcatchers left and fucking right here. Conspiracy theorists have peddled stolen election fantasies, coronavirus conspiracies, and violent rhetoric one podcaster, Red Pill 78 who sounds based as fuck, by the way, called the Capitol siege a staged event on a January 11th episode of Red Pill News. Oh wait, am I not supposed to say that? Oops, I've been saying that fucking left and right. The day before the Capitol riot, one more popular podcast, X-22 Report, spoke confidently about a Trump second term, explained that Trump would need to remove many members of Congress to further his plans, and said, We the people are the storm and we're coming to D.C. Yeah, that's not how any of this works. That's not how any of this works. Both are available on Apple and Google podcast platforms. Podcasting plays a particularly outsized role in propagating white supremacy, said a 2018 report from the ADL, because we can't control that. And you'll notice, and I've actually looked into this, I mean, there aren't a lot of really left-wing podcasts out there. And I've actually looked. I mean, you've got Potfuck America, Potfuck the World, Those two, but even those still, those are run by massive corporate dollars. There are no independents, for the most part, over on the left wing, which is a shame because I would actually listen to those just to see what it is that they're saying off of this. I mean, I don't like Podfuck America because, well, I don't really need a reason. They suck. And they're backed by big corporate money. But I mean, yeah, you'll get your MSNBC podcast. I think Maddow's got one. You'll get your CNN shit like that. But it's all it all comes out of big money, whereas you know your grassroots stuff like the program that you're watching now. When thank you, by the way, and I will take down everybody's name in my notebook and read back an individual thank you for you on Friday. So if you're lurking, get those last mes- minute messages in. But realistically. It doesn't have to be on Google and Apple. I mean, what are the platforms we're sitting on right now? And you're watching this live. This would be considered a podcast, too. YouTube, DLive, Periscope, Facebook, if you know me personally, and Twitch. They're hosting me right now. Plus, if I ever actually get off my ass and catch back up with the audio platform, which I haven't for a while, that's been a good few months on that. at this point. But if I ever get off my ass and catch up on that, then we also throw in Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. But yes, all these people, especially the people over at the AP, all they want to do is make sure that uh, only the associated uh, minds can speak. And I said the same thing with this, too. I mean... Uh, that lady that ran for Congress in Florida, what the hell was her name? I can't think of it right now. But even she came out and she was talking about, you know, not allowing people to speak if they're going to speak lies. Well, who decides? That's the worst part of it, is who decides. But we will see what happens from this. All right. Last one here. Something that restores my faith in humanity. The tweet that we're about to read is not what restores my faith in humanity, but it is the jumping off point to what I want to talk about with this. So, reading now from Twitter, James W. James A. Will over on Twitter says at Walmart, face masks are now on clearance. Our progressive masters know the plan before we do. And I told him that I was going to be featuring this, and he uh, said, Thanks for the warning. It's more of a joke than a thoughtful prediction. It was funny to see a display of them marked like that, surrounded by islands of hand sanitizer that people also don't seem to be buying like they used to. And, you know, here's the reality of this. Now, I don't know what's happening in the big, major liberal cities, because I don't go to them. The biggest city that I go to on a regular basis is Janesville. And even then, I try to avoid that because it kind of sucks. But necessary evil sometimes. But, like, I don't know what's going on in Madison. I don't know what's going on in Milwaukee. Fuck, I don't even know what's going on in Kenosha at this point, to be completely honest. But people are starting to say, the fuck with this. They're starting to look back and say, dude, we don't care anymore. And I don't know if some of this is part of the fact that Biden is elected, so nobody's pushing down. I mean, we haven't heard anything on the death numbers or the case numbers in two weeks. Since the Capitol riot, we haven't heard anything about the coronavirus. We haven't heard a goddamn word about it. It's been maybe a little bit of uh, stuff on the background. But for the most part, it's come out of the mainstream news right now. And I walked into the Quick Trip, the local Quick Trip, the other day. And there were four people in the store that weren't wearing masks. I was in the local Woodman's, which has a gigantic sign like this that says, face mask required, in-store. I saw at least three people in the store not wearing a mask last night. The Target, I even saw a couple people, and that's like yuppie fuckingville Central. Because I went over there for a little bit last night, too. People are getting ready to be done with this shit. They're getting ready to say the hell with it. It's time to move on. It's time to be done. It's time to figure this out and assess our own level of risk instead of letting the government assess the level of risk for us. So, sorry to see. I'm glad to see people are starting to push back, though, because people are starting to realize, and maybe it was just that 24-hour panic news cycle that was driving people to be afraid, but now people are starting to look up and say, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. It may have come 10 months too late, But the fact that it's happening, I'll call the balls and strikes where they belong. Even if it's 10 months too late, I'll call the balls and strikes and say, good on you for doing that. And that is going to be it for that and for the news for the day. So I am going to start getting ready to fix my microphone because we seem to be having some sort of issue going on here where it's just cranked up in volume. So we'll be figuring that out. But we'll be back here later on tonight for... The Red Net Show. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking about what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the uh, lockdown on the Capitol and the military lockdown that came along with that. We are going to talk about what else are we going to talk about? The second impeachment that's going to be coming up tonight. We'll probably talk about the Iran thing and the missile launch and all kinds of other fun stuff that goes along with that. Plus, I've got surprise stupidity for the night. It's always fun to watch Elaine's reaction to that. Come and join us tonight. That is at 5.30 Central on all five major platforms. Looking forward to that. Otherwise, we'll be back here tomorrow morning to go through the headlines once again and maybe catch up on some of the ones that I had to miss because everything was so jam-packed in over the weekend because they got to sell all those commercials because they're about to go back to sleep again. But join us for more news tomorrow morning as well. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary.